killing last week of 19 school children and two teachers by an active shooter in Uvalde, Texas, has raised questions nationwide about what states require when it comes to keeping students safe in classrooms. Here in Illinois, it turns out to be a matter of local control. Precautions for protecting the state's two million children vary significantly by district. Freelance journalist Lisa Phillip wrote about Illinois' safety rules for WBEZ, and she joins us now. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to Reset. Hi, Sasha. Thanks for having me. So what do Illinois state laws require when it comes to safety plans in schools? Yeah, so Illinois requires something called an emergency and crisis response plan. It requires every public, private, uh, and private school to have these. These have to include basics like emergency chains of command, uh, describing what who is responsible for what in the events of an emergency. It has to include things like emergency contact lists, ways to account for students, you know, where they are, how they're doing in an emergency. And then um, probably most importantly, they have to include what a school would do in response to various emergencies like severe weather and fire, but also an active shooter. And this is something that's left really up to schools and school boards and varies from school building to school building. I talked to um, a regional superintendent or a representative from the State Regional Superintendents Association, and he talked about how there is this need for local control because districts vary so much in terms of what their school buildings are like and what kind of resources they have. You know, one school district might have access to local emergency vehicles that are equipped with computers that have school uh, floor plans loaded up on those computers where Mm -hmm. you might have uh, another district that's very rural and the entire local fire department is voluntary. So he said state officials don't really have the um, know-how to determine what specifically is in each school building's plan. And that's one of the reasons that this is left up to local control. And so we're clear, Lisa, what's the law enforcement involvement here in Illinois? Or is there? So there there isn't required um, the the participation of uh, law enforcement officials in the drafting of this plan is not required, which is notable. Um, You know, Illinois is one of 43 states that require school safety plans of every school. Uh, but a majority of those states, 29 states, require that law enforcement officials be involved in the drafting of these plans. But Illinois is not one of them. Um, Illinois does require school boards to review these plans once a year. And local emergency officials like law enforcement and first responders have to be invited to these reviews. Mm-hmm. But their participation is not required. Interesting. You mentioned a moment ago that schools here uh, have to practice um active shooter drills. What are the requirements? Yes, yes. So um, schools, both again, both public and private, have to have an active shooter drill every year near the start of the school year, so within 90 days of the start of the school year. Um, And law enforcement officials should be observing it. This kind of mimics what response you have outlined in your safety plan, and it's meant to give students and staff an idea of what steps would be taken in the event of an active shooter drill and also to identify any problems with your plan. Does it need to be updated with best practices? Do you need a different way of notifying students that there is an active shooter in the building? And um, there are rules about how these drills are conducted. Students, staff, and parents have to be notified in advance of the 
hospital. Mm -hmm. Um, There has to be school-based mental health professionals present, and they have to be, these drills have to be age-appropriate. And it's notable that this law specifically says the drills cannot include simulations of actual school shooting incidents. There was um, uh, an event, actually a drill, uh, a couple years ago in northern Indiana where teachers uh, were shot with plastic pellets, and this generated widespread criticism, understandably, and it had a lot of people thinking about what the psychological toll of these active shooter drills are on children. So um, I think there's a lot more awareness of what what cost do these mm-hmm. um, these drills come at? Yeah, I was talking to my my kids last night. They are teens. One's in high school. One's uh, at uh, the last year of middle school. Um, they've done, of course, the fire drills, the tornado drills, and what they call lockdown drills this school mm-hmm. year. So, in their case, the teacher turns off all the lights, and um, the students hide. Really, that's 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 pretty much the drill. Um, but as a parent, I got an email that morning sort of letting me know that it was happening, that it was going to last for 30 minutes, and that if I tried to come to the school at that time, the doors would be locked. And so there would be no no one entering, no one exiting. And I understand that this is necessary, but this is just so frightening, Lisa. Yes, yes, I agree. I have um, I have a two-and-a-half-year-old and a five-year-old myself, and both of them, I mean, it, it blows my mind because they're so young, but they've both gone through lockdown drills. And You know, it's hard to imagine what they get from these drills being so young, but I also Mm -hmm. understand that parents and and teachers and school personnel want, um, you know, some reassurance that there is a plan in place, even though this is a very Mm -hmm. unlikely event to have happen. You know, many of the sources I talked to wanted to get the message out there that schools are very safe. The the chances of this happening at someone's school is it's still very low, even though these events have been horrific and tragic and, you know, have yeah. obviously gotten a lot of attention. Um, you know, I think parents are looking for reassurance that there is a plan in place should something like this happen. Yeah. I, I just don't remember doing this, this type of drill when I was a, a child. So I know that this is, you know, more of a, a fairly recent requirement. How are the schools managing that psychological toll you mentioned before? Yeah, well, you know, I think they this law provides for um, having mental health professionals on site, and, and it also requires that these drills be trauma-informed. You know, I don't know what that looks like in terms of um, uh, on the ground how available mental health professionals are in the event that students need counseling after a drill like this. I think, um, you know, I've, I've just heard so many questions from parents about not just about uh, what kind of support is being giving to, given to students after drills, but but what how are teachers answering questions about the recent shootings and how are they handling that um, depending on what age your child is and all of that. I think it's a a topic that generates a lot of questions for yeah. everyone, and and there aren't any absolute answers there. So in the, the state of Illinois, uh, it's required that uh, they create procedures for identifying and stopping threatening behavior. Um, schools are supposed to create this threat assessment team, as you write in your, your story. What, what are they expected to do? Yeah, so that is a great question. And, you know, the law requires that school districts have a threat assessment procedure 
in place. And they, and this involves creating a team that has to include things like a school administrator, a teacher, and then also mental health uh, personnel like a school counselor, a school psychologist, and and also uh, at least one local law enforcement official. Um, beyond that, the legislation really does not have a lot of detail as to what an actual procedure would look like for these teams or for local school personnel to identify threatening behavior. Um, I talked to the head of the state school counselor association, and he his organization actually held a professional development for um, school counselors around this topic. And I think a lot of school districts, uh, according to him, a lot of school districts are kind of looking for guidance on how they actually put this policy into place. Um, I think everyone agrees, or there is a lot of agreement around mm. the fact that we need this kind of um, procedure in place. You know, a, a lot of people are not paying attention to prevention in terms of violent incidents in school. And there's a lot of discussion of how do we locate students that are struggling or isolated or facing challenges mm -hmm. and intervene with supports before a situation escalates into something like a school shooting. Right. Um, and, and while there are procedures in place, and because of an update, these procedures have to be submitted to um, regional education offices, I don't think there's a lot of guidance in terms of what staff schools actually have to take. I think there's a lot to be done in terms of training staff and figuring out what steps are taken. This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons, and we are speaking with freelance writer Lisa Phillip about safety in Illinois schools, what measures the state law requires schools to take, and what's actually left to their discretion. Beyond those drills and procedures, Lisa, there's a lot that schools are not required to do, right? Like having surveillance cameras or, or metal detectors or even door locks. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. There, There isn't state legislation around having measures and, and safety equipment like surveillance cameras and metal detectors or even locking doors during the day. Um, I think that some of this is because of, or at least according to some sources I talked to, some of this is an issue of equity. Some districts have the resources to have things like cameras and metal detectors. Um, and, and even pay for things like school resource officers, um, but and some don't. Uh, but there's also the issue of um, uh, the fact that school resource officers are a very controversial issue um, mm -hmm. because many people point to school resource officers as um, a, a something that's criminalized student behavior, and especially for students of color. So I think that's notable. Mm -hmm. um, Clarify for us, Lisa, what, what's the difference between a school resource officer and a security guard or a police officer being in the school? Yeah, of course. So a police officer, a school resource officer is essentially a police officer that is stationed in a school. And this, um, and this is not something that's required in Illinois. I think there's been a lot of discussion about whether it should be required but like I said, there is a lot of criticism about mm -hmm. the presence of around the presence of police officers in schools. Um, and then, you know, with the, the issue of locking doors, I talked to uh, a source who said he he's looked overseas about uh, 40 school districts, and he said that every school he knows of locks its doors during the day. The issue with that is, um, you know, he, he said regulating something like that doesn't account for human error and doors can be propped open and, you know, maybe if the door doesn't lock, et cetera. So 
I, he said there doesn't really need, in his view, there doesn't really need to be legislation around this, but mm-hmm. it's more about execution of uh, a school's local procedures. In your story, you also write about the uh, political debate that's happening right now around guns in schools, right? Uh, according to an associate, Associated Press survey of governors, Democrats favor gun ownership restrictions and Republicans want tighter school security. So how does that political context affect the requirements that we have here? Yeah, yeah. I think it's interesting to note that, um, you know, responses following school shootings has kind of become a political exercise almost. Um, and I think there is a lot of debate, even on the on the local, let's say, at the school level amongst staff and students and and you know, people saying that you can put all of these measures in place, but what happens in schools is a reflection of what's happening in society. And, um, you know, if we don't have tighter gun control, for example, um, that schools themselves are not going to be able to stop uh, gun violence from coming into uh, schools because, you know, there's only so much uh, a school can do in terms of putting in surveillance cameras and metal mm-hmm. detectors. And there are also people who feel that putting in measures like that turn a school environment into something that's not comfortable for students and something that feels, you know, more like a prison than a school. Yeah, I've um, heard my daughters so use that term too. Yeah, they've got metal yeah. detectors, the doors are locked, and it just it's just this little skinny window that you can kind of peek through if you're the parent standing outside. It's just, it yes. feels very yeah. prison-like, even the windows looking at the school from outside, but... I'd rather that than the alternative. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely understand. I think it's uh, it's a hairy debate for sure. Yeah. I mean, the, you have to kind of balance the educational needs of students with keeping them safe. Exactly. Um, That's freelance writer Lisa Phillip. You can find her story on our website, wbez.org. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks, Sasha.